Eagles Entertainment. Anything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another day. And we've got our fourth day of training camp practice as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 393. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Chris McPherson and Ben Fennel about our takeaways from Monday morning as the Eagles took the field for their fourth training camp practice of the summer. What exactly were those takeaways? Well, stay tuned for that. We're going to get into it right at the top of the show. Before we get there, a couple of house cleaning things here. First off, make sure you head on over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify, wherever you listen to the show, leave us a rating, leave us a comment, leave us a review. If you've got a question about the team, about the scheme, the roster, the depth chart, whatever it is, go and leave that question on our Apple Podcast page. We will answer it here on an upcoming episode. And also... Look, it's, it's that time of year, getting ready not just for the NFL season, but for the college football season as well. And if you want to get yourself ready for the top players across the country at the college level, make sure you go and check out the Journey to the Draft podcast. Myself, Ben Fennel, Dane Brugler, we're talking through all the top players across the country at every single conference. This week, our focus is the ACC. So Clemson, North Carolina, NC State, Wake Forest, across the board, Miami, a bunch of players this year. We'll be covering all of those top players. We already did the Big 12, the Pac-12. 12, uh, Notre Dame and the outside that's the Power 5. We did all of those schools already, so make sure you go check that out on the Journey to the Draft podcast, wherever podcasts can be found. That said, let's get into it. Excited to talk through day four of training camp with Chris and Ben. It's time for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, well, time to welcome in now Chris and Ben and C-Mac, as we do every day. We're going to come to you for uh, any roster notes uh, coming up into the beginning of today's practice. It's crazy that we haven't had any transactions, so that's a good thing yep. to this point. Now, in terms of players missing practice, only two. Tight end Grant Calcaterra, that's the new one on the list here. The rookie left Saturday's practice yep. early with a hamstring injury. Nick Sirianni talked about it and said that, look, we're going to be cautious. There's no timetable. We're not going to rush him back, but he's going to be out for a little bit. Uh, defensive tackle Milton Williams, he was back at practice, limited with an elbow injury. Carrick Wheatfall was back on the field in a limited manner. He's come back from COVID. And Zach Pascal, he's still recovering from the food poisoning. So that's everything from the injury and transactional standpoint. Yeah, it's certainly uh, it's good that you don't, you don't want to have those transactions, those guys yes. coming in and out. But uh, you know, good good news on the injury front. Hopefully, those guys uh, back on the field sooner rather than later. Uh, ben, I know like we always talk about what's the big takeaway, but I don't feel like we want to bury the lead here. One of our favorite drills collectively, O line, D line, one on ones happen for the first time here on Monday morning. Uh, interesting, kind of you're just walking away. Big takeaway from uh, our first O line, D line session of the summer. Well, it's just great to give the uh, the guys in the trenches an opportunity to really compete and shine in those kind of one on one situations. It's a fun drill to watch. It's always very competitive. Um, you don't get a great sense of that in the team periods. Obviously, we can't sack the quarterback, things like that. So there's always a little bit of limitation with pass rushes. But it was great to see the guys back out there. And that conversation starts and ends with Lane Johnson. Yep. Almost always the first up in these drills. 
and the headliner was him against newcomer Hassan Reddick out there. Lane shut the door on the newcomer out there, made sure everybody knew he's still the the king of the castle around here, despite the the new talent uh, in the edge rusher room. Yep. And Lane, over the years, what was he, a ninth, tenth year here in Philadelphia? He is one that does not give up many reps in these one-on-one drills. He sits down and anchors against power. He's very quick out of his stance against speed. You better be crafty in your rush plans if you think you're sniffing any sort of quarterback against Lane Johnson. So I was just great to see him uh, out there with that first rep and, uh, you know, really shutting the door. And then some of the young guys, just great to see, you know, Kyron Johnson flash some speed out there. See Jordan Davis show some power and some quickness. See Cam Juergens, you know, anchor against some power, answer some of the questions that he has in his technique and his game as well. And I was really impressed with the second-year guys. I know there's some new free agents. There's some new blood with the rookies. Teron Jackson, um, Patrick Johnson yep. out there. Those guys are playing fast, playing confident. They look like they're really ready to contribute in their second year. So uh, a lot of good reps out there, a lot of fun competitions, uh, good battles out there, and that's definitely one of our favorite sessions. It's easy to kind of get like lost in the sauce a little bit after those drills because there's so many guys, there's so many reps, and it's like, oh, well, yeah, there's like five or six guys I can think of. So I usually try and make a note uh, walking away from the drill one name, two names, maybe three names that were like, okay, like the, this guy like stood out. Cam Jurgens was number one on that list. I thought both of his reps were really, really strong. And we think of Cam Jurgens as, oh, undersized center, out in space, the screen game. He showed off his play strength. His guy, he's got a really strong anchor uh, against both nose tackles he faced. I thought he did an outstanding job. So Cam Jurgens for me, walking away, uh, was the big Now, while out. Cam Jurgens is athletic and slightly undersized by NFL standard, uh, you know, metrics, he is a little taller. Yep. And he's taller than the Jason Kelsey's. While Jason Kelsey is undersized, has the ability to really play underneath a lot of those nose tackles and big guys. It's a little tougher for Cam Jurgens. Higher cut, longer legs, and you really see that in space with his athleticism. But just human mechanics, physiology, he's going to have trouble anchoring against power with being a high cut, long legged kid. They've tried him right away. I think Marvin Wilson, a couple other big guys yep. out there, Rennell Wren, and he anchored pretty well. So I think that's going to be something to watch here in camp into the preseason and uh, once we see him in the, the real game actions. Now, to me, I feel like you guys are underselling Jordan Davis just yeah. a little bit here. The athleticism that he shows for being 6'6", 340 pounds. I mean, there are some big bodies on this Eagles defensive line. But the move that he put on Jack Anderson, <laughs> to me, yep. that caught everyone. That's one of those ooh and ah moments that you hear from the teammates. That was the only one from that drill that got, like, the fans and, like, media go, ooh. Like, you heard, yeah. the, the, heard the sound from the media afterwards. Yeah, so it, it was worth the price of admission. Now, afterwards, Davis talked about he's trying to work on his bull rush. We saw that in the one-on-ones yep. as well. But he seems to be really a student of the game. He is trying to take everything in, soak it as much as he can, whether it's from his fellow defensive line mates or even the guys like Jason Kelsey are helping him out. And it's not whether it's a team drill, whether it's a regular practice session. He said even walk walkthroughs, and he said they're more like jogthroughs here. They're not walking around, but those are the mental reps that are going to allow him to take the next level in his game. And as weird as it may sound for a 6'6", 340-pound nose tackle, we know he has the quickness. That bull rush you had mentioned, that's essentially a do-your-job type of role. Collapse the pocket on the inside, disrupt the pass lanes, and suddenly those edge rushers have much easier routes yep. to the quarterback. That's very much a Jordan. The best thing you can do for us is collapse inside out. You may not get every sack, 
but it's doing your job out there. So it's great to see him work on those things. He's going to have to do during the regular season. That's why, for me, his floor is so high. Yeah. Because if he can do that at the bare minimum, the Eagles' run defense will be outstanding. And to your point about the pass rush, it's going to help open things up for other guys. Yeah. If he can, you know, cultivate the array of pass moves to be able to use his quickness and athleticism along with that strength to keep offensive linemen off balance, that's where this guy can really be the limit for the first-round pick. And, Fran, you came out of that session. Immediately we're talking about Jordan Malata. I feel like just to kind of uh, close Man. this session of discussion, this was first one-on-ones all camp, so we're going to harp on it a little bit. You're seeing the maturation of Malata. Unbelievable. No question. Which, you know, as a young player, he had some growing pains, figuring out just his sets, the technique. Then when everything was perfect, you said, wait a minute, this kid's got something. Now you're starting to see him recover when things go wrong. Maybe get a hand knocked down. Maybe get shimmied on a, on a pass rush move. Take a bad step. You know, maybe laid off the ball. Now you're seeing him recover, getting out of bad positions. Now he's stacking kind of the developmental chips and getting better and better and better. And we all know things go wrong out there on third and five. There's some really good pass rushers out there. You're going to get your hands knocked down. You're going to get flattened a little bit. Doesn't mean you just give up the rep. Now you're seeing him finish the reps and finish these snaps despite maybe losing early on. And that's what it's all about, recovering, playing to the end of the whistle. And that was something, Fran, uh, you had harped on right after that session. Yeah, and it was something that you know we talked about last summer. We talked about the summer before with Jordan. And you, and you alluded to it that uh, you know he's now is like the, he's the benchmark, right? He's what everybody else is aspiring to be. But you know, if you go back and reflect on summers in the past, the big thing with Jordan in these sessions, in these one-on-ones, uh, you know, he would have these battles against like Joe Osman, right? And Joe Osman, uh, you know, obviously had like physical limitations, but was so crafty with his hands. And with Jordan, Jordan obviously had all the he always had these tools right he always had like the the freak show like strength and power and and his foot quickness so so impressive um but what he would often do he would get to the top of the rush he would throw his hands and his feet would stop so that negates all of his athleticism and it's it would stop him mid rush now you see he's got that ability to recover if somebody throws a, a long arm at him or if someone swipes his hands down his feet don't rush or his feet don't stop as he's trying to recover and now you're seeing that 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 potential realized and just that that first rep against Josh Sweat was just, I mean, oh. it was a thing of beauty. I awesome. always joked that I thought another NFC East team would sign Joe Osman just for the matchups with the <laughs> right. Eagles to go against Mylotta. And yeah. those Joe Osmans of the world, and for all intents and purposes, the Brandon Grahams of the world, those are unique kind of size defensive ends. Brandon Graham gives Lane Johnson trouble over the years. He's given a lot of tackles trouble. He is a unconventional type of defensive end. Same with Osman being maybe 6'1", 6'2", thick and quick-footed. Well, playing under a 6'8 tackle, that's not a good matchup. You're not eye-to-eye. It's not a good boxing fight. You know, he has some natural leverage things kind of working against him there. So the Ostmans of the world gave him a lot of trouble. But it's nice to know he could still shut out the Barnetts and the Josh Sweats and some of the more prototypical NFL edge rushers. Real quick, Graham, I thought, looked explosive as well. Yeah, A lot of inside rushes uh, for him. That was a big thing. Him come off of the Achilles, being an older guy, the elder statesman of the team, longest-tenured athlete. I just wanted to make a quick note on that, that he looks really good here early on in camp. We talked about it on Saturday that you start to see these matchups. like we'll see, They'll seem repetitive. We're going to see it every single day. Uh, so on the very first rep, I'm used to seeing Brandon Graham, Lane Johnson. But 
Hassan Reddick, he's going to come down and get that first rep over Lane. I'm like, all right, well, what does that mean for Brandon Graham? He took a, one rep on the outside, but m- most of his rushes uh, did come over the guard, and I thought that was notable. Another guy we talked about, um, you know, just from that body type, Ben, I know you wrote about uh, Ali Fayad, the uh, undrafted free agent from Western Michigan. He had a nice rush here today. Yeah, undrafted player, but very, very productive. This guy knows how to get the quarterback and in a variety of ways. He's got what we call that three-way go inside, outside, through you. And one-on-one pass rushes, you can see that. He's got a pass rush plan. You'll see all sorts of spin moves. But I started watching him in team period as well. In the run game, taking care of tight ends without blinking, which is exactly what you want from NFL edge rushers. you got to be able to really control tight ends in the run game. Then you earn reps on second, third down, where we know what he can do. So don't forget number 59 out there. A lot of young, exciting edge rushers, outside linebackers, different fronts. He's really only running with the threes and the fours, but look for 59 out there. Really loose, exciting edge rusher. Like I said, you can kind of get lost in like all the different takeaways from a drill like this because there's so many reps. But two other guys I, I had written down that I thought were worthwhile. Uh, Suo Peta, I thought, had a couple of really good reps. He lined up at both left and right guard. And then Andre Dillard's reps against Derek Barnett. I thought they were both wins uh, for Agreed. number 77. I thought uh, Andre Dillard had a really good start uh, in that drill. Uh, C-Mac, before we took the field for practice today, uh, the Eagles uh, head, co- head coach, Nick Sirianni, uh, spoke. And I know the one big thing he talked about uh, was Jalen Hurts in terms of uh, decision-making on the field in, in a practice setting. When is it right to, to throw it away versus yep. to, to th- you know test your arm and throw the interception? Uh, what were some of the takeaways from that discussion? Yeah, that's what training camp's all about. You're learning new things. You want to get them out here and work on them in the practicing before you get to the regular season games. Now, with that being said, Sirianna said overall, the passing game much further along than this time a year ago. Likes the timing, likes where the ball is going. He's very happy with that. Said the turnovers need to cut down and went into detail into the first three that Jalen Hurts had. And really the one that he was most bothered about, and this is a throw, this goes in that category of things that you're trying. It was in practice when he was rolling, I believe, to his left, threw across his body, and Andre Sachere, the safety, picked it off. That's the one where Nick was like, no, that's a poor decision. That one, you got to you got to tuck it, you got to throw it away, live to see another down. That one's a big mistake. The Marcus Epps interception, we talked about on the podcast, it was a great diving interception the first day of practice, off-target throw. And Nick's like, that's going to happen. You're going to have those at times in practice. The other one was that beautiful Avante Maddox interception where he beat Dallas Goddard to the ball, went up, and he looked like he was six foot five at the time. Should have been a check down on that. So those are the things that you're working through, but – in terms of the growth from year one to year two for Jalen as a starter, overall, Nick likes the progress of the offense and where the passing game is at. It's, he was just really focused on cutting down the turnovers overall amongst all the quarterbacks, but really did a good job going to detail on the ones that Hurts has had so far in camp. Yeah, and I just love the, the just having that conversation because it's, I think it's easy for us to, you know, for you're going to see like the reporters that will take note of like, Jalen Hurts was X for X today. He was he was eleven of thirteen with a touchdown and two picks. Or uh, you know, hey, Miles Sanders carried the ball seven times for thirty eight yards and a touchdown. Like to me, like the. It's almost like the, the the analogy I always make, Ben, um, is like judging a golfer by what he does on the on the uh, driving range. Like guys, guys are trying new things. You're trying to do two different things, and sometimes, like yeah, those those aren't going to go well. Jordan Davis had that bull rush, uh, C-Mac, that he alluded to uh, in his press conference, where yeah, like I'm trying to work on my bull rush, so I'm going to use it, even though that might not be my number one move right now. 
I thought the only way I'm going to get better is by using it in practice. So that Andre Sachery interception two days ago, it happened. I immediately said to Fran, turned right, right next what to do you want the quarterback to do in that situation? It's a philosophical discussion. Do you want him to go through the game decision-making and tuck it, get out of bounds, throw it away? I got news for you. That doesn't help the defense on the practice field. The coach may whistle, sack for the defense, next down. I want the quarterback to force it. I want him to put the ball out there. I want him to try to rip a throw. Maybe it's a little risky. That's what you do on the practice field. So I like that these teams give access to practice to fans and some media, but it's practice, and you should not be documenting statistics on the practice field for that very reason. So every time that quarterback has to tuck it and run, a little pit in my stomach. I hate that. Force it in there. If it was yep. a tight window or maybe it's good coverage, force it in there. Let's see if the receiver can make a play on the ball, X, Y, and Z. So I think it's an interesting philosophical discussion. That you could say, horrible decision there hurts. Well, he may not make that in the game. So you don't really know what they're doing, what they're trying, just like that driving yep. range. Don't watch me in the driving range. Right. I do all different <laughs> grips. I'm trying different stances, different weight patterns. I look horrible on the driving range. I can smack it around once the lights are on and we're between the lines out there. I want to give a little bit of a tip of the cap, too. They were actually having this discussion on the Athletic Football Show, the last one that just dropped on, on Monday morning, uh, Robert Mays with Mitchell Schwartz. And one of the topics they were discussing was, hey, you know, you see reports of oh, Justin Fields threw three picks today or, you know, Patrick Mahomes threw two. What, what does that mean? And Mitchell Schwartz said basically, like, exactly what we're saying right now, like, you don't put a lot of stock into it at all. Now, what he said was, in the huddle afterwards, how does the guy respond? Does the, does the quarterback come over? Hey, guys, I was on my, you know, I'm trying to force it there. Like, you know, we're going to get the next one. Cool. Let's all go. If the guy's like mopey afterwards, and then, then it's like, all right, you worry about it. And I guess the point there is that's what well, we have to understand the limitations of what we see on the outside. The guys that are inside the room, inside the huddle, those guys have a better sample uh, of what's going on. So uh, I think that was a, an important topic there from Coach Sirianni. Yeah. The other thing that Coach brought up, uh, among the many other things, the one that stood out to me was the fact that Vic Fangio, Former Broncos head coach, longtime great defensive mind, sure. has been at practice a couple times early on in training camp. And Coach Sirianni is like, look, we'll, we, some guys have relationships with them, so they'll bring them into the building. You let them watch practice. You give them a free meal, and then you hopefully get to learn and clean a couple of tricks of the trade. It's been them, every so. year. There's always like one or two coaches you can like roll down the list, like off Mike the top of McCoy my head, like Mike was McCoy, last John year. Fox. Like I yes. you go to down the down the list, and that that's that's what happens this time of year. Yeah. Uh, coaches. Nice are, to see Dick Vermeil out there today too. Dick Vermeil's out there. Right. Have uh, you know a piece of advice or two to, uh, that's right. to offer? Yes, yeah. he goes into the hall this weekend. <laughs> so right. no question. So. Um, Getting back to on the field, uh, play of the day for me. Uh, I went back and forth. I, there was an interception from Marcus Epps late in practice. Uh, it was a tip throw from uh, from Darius Slay uh, that popped up. That was an interception. A really nice diving interception from Sean Bradley early in practice. And that got me thinking, Ben, you and I were talking about this on the sideline. You know, I feel like when we talk about all the – it was an interception by uh, Marcus Epps. Oh, yeah, but it was tipped. And it's like it almost has like that asterisk next to it. It's really important to keep in context a defense like this when you're playing as much zone coverage as the Eagles played last year and as we anticipate that they're going to play this year, you need guys running to the football. Ben, I always reflect back when you and I went back and we watched uh, the, the, all those Colts defense plays uh, when the Eagles hired Jonathan Gannon. What was the big thing that we said? Yeah, like they just run to the ball and they're just creating plays. You're creating big plays. So, yeah, like, you know, you might not think of it in the time of like, oh, like, 
yeah, they're, they're running to the ball. Okay, great. No, like the reason why is because you're putting yourself in position to make plays. Uh, Davion Taylor had that diving interception. Was that Saturday that I know Nick Sirianni yep. called out, right? So uh, Marcus Epps has had diving plays. Uh, and Sean Bradley had So those plays, those add up. That's what the, the defense is. The, the, the staff is preaching for your players to make plays like that. Yeah, absolutely. It's really one of the core defensive principles flow to the football Yep. because you never know when that guy's going to break that tackle, that third tackle, and you could have been that extra line of defense, or maybe you're the 290 pounder getting there late and forcing the ball out yep. just for flowing to the football. So good things happen when you flow to the ball. It's one of my core principles of sports, particularly in football, just like hockey, put pucks on the net, things like that, put the ball in play in baseball. We'll save those for another. You want to see them finish. That's the other thing. You talk about an asterisk. No, you want to make sure if the ball's in the air, can the guys come down with it? Because that is a huge turning point in the game one way or another. All of a sudden, you're, you know, maybe the defense is in the red zone trying to keep a team out of the end zone, keep three off the board. Ball's in the air. If the guy drops it, huge momentum swing. Or if he's able to come up with it. And I'm glad that we're talking about Marcus Epps once again because he got a lot of – Praise over the weekend, had that great press conference. He's looked great in the first few days of practice. I love the fact that he's stacking up the days and we're once again yep. bringing his name into the conversation, Ben. Well, I feel like we're talking a lot of defense, interceptions, tip passes. My play of the day was a beautiful completion that Hurts had in the first team period. I believe it was third down, hits Devontae Smith over the middle of the field. No idea what happened in coverage there on the route, anything on the back end. I just watched Hurts. Good edge rush. He climbed up in the pocket, two hands on the ball. Almost had to make a little bit of a rise-up kind of jump throw over the middle of the field. Just love the pocket movement with the ball protection, eyes up. You don't want that drifting out the back door. I actually thought his pocket movement last year was one of his best traits as a quarterback. That third down, you're going to get a lot of pressure in the pocket. The climbing up, hitting uh, Devontae over the middle, really good play there. I thought you made a really interesting point in your in your notes for the practice notes article, which, by the way, you can check out right now on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, wherever you get your Eagles content. It should be up by the time you're listening to this podcast. Uh, ben, you made the point about uh, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown um, and just how interchangeable they are. Both guys can line up inside and outside, and that's going to be a big part of what we're going to see this fall. We've really already seen it uh, so far this summer. Yeah, I was paying attention to that on 7-on-7s seven seven, where you just see the skill players and the quarterback out there. And as much as I was excited, every down they were lining up in different spots, my perspective was actually on the other side. A little guy like, not a little guy, but a guy like an Avante Maddox. You're not just facing the shifty slot receiver every day, every rep. You're getting different profile people from an A.J. Brown to a Devante Smith rep after rep. Well, that's going to prepare you for the season, which we know the big slot is kind of a new phase in the NFL where that slot could be 220 pounds, the flex tight ends out there. Then the little slot receiver that's shifty and quick-footed. You better be ready for all those. So I just love that we have the versatile weapons to prepare our defense for the versatile weapons they'll face across the league. And it was just that snapshot of seeing Brown in the slot one play, Devonta the next play, Greg Ward the next play. So all different types of bodies. Mm-hmm. And just the battles that those guys have had uh, with Avante Maddox, but also with with Darius Slay and with James Bradbury, it feels like every day those guys are really tightly contesting throws. We saw uh, we talked about the um, uh, the tipped interception that Slay made today, but also he had a, a tight tight coverage play on Dallas Goddard to force an incompletion downfield. Uh, James Bradbury once again t- contesting throws downfield. So uh, these receivers and DBs they're going at it. It's a talented group on both sides, and the battle's yeah. been really good. I feel like Hertz has been pretty sharp. I think it's a pretty uh, strong narrative so far. Not a lot of that's come downfield. 
And I'm paying attention a lot to James Bradbury, big corner, cover two profile. He's going to come up and hit you and tackle and beat you up. He's playing the ball downfield. Yes. Outstanding. And against, again, different style receivers. Yep. Quez and Devontae and A.J. Brown. So the fact that Bradbury and Slay are really hawking down the field, maybe forcing some of those underneath throws by Hertz, it's really all looking pretty good on the defense. Speaking side. of Quez and the need for big plays, this was the Eagles' big play receiver from a year ago. Average 15 yards per catch, good for eighth in the league among receivers who had 40-plus receptions. He spoke after practice and loves the fact that the defense added James Bradbury. He says he brings so much knowledge, so much wisdom. The guy has seen it all mm. in his career. He's prepared for everything and anything. But Quest said he focused himself on being more – he wants to be, be known more as a complete receiver – better route runner, you know, better in getting in and out of his breaks, just better than just being the fast guy. And he says, look, he's not shy about saying that. He's not only the fastest guy on the team. He said, I'm the fastest guy in the NFL. And, look, we're going to have joint practices with the Miami Dolphins a couple of weeks, Tyreek Hill. We'll get to see that probably. Jalen Waddle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A couple of guys there. So we'll get to see that speed match up there. But uh, very interesting as we keep talking about AJ and Devontae, Devontae and AJ, you got guys like Quez Watkins who yep. made an impact on this team last year and have a special skill set and to see what can he do to make himself better and evolve in this offense with so many other playmakers around. And Quez was talking about that after practice. I know uh, Eagles linebackers coach Nick Rallis uh, spoke after practice as well, C-Mac. Any big takeaways uh, after he spoke? Nicobe Dean, just super smart. The real deal, everything that they envisioned getting when they selected him in the third round, he's been all of that and more. Just said that you know, with the guys coming in, they've been able to progress so much further than this time a year ago where they were just teaching the basics of the scheme, teaching yep. the defense, that they're at a total different level. Uh, praise what Kaiser White has brought from a speed and veteran standpoint. Uh, but – we talked about T.J. Edwards, and he's one of the role models for the undrafted guys, the lower-round pick guys. T.J. Edwards is also someone who has really taken this game to another level. Rollis said that he wants Edwards to master the opposition. He said, I'm not going to be able to take you through every single scenario. I need you to be the captain, to be the leader out there. Like, you're the guy. You know, you're the Mike linebacker. You need to be the one out there that knows every possible scenario that can happen to be ready. So this is so different where last year Edwards was trying to make a roster spot and trying to work his way up the depth chart and get himself on the field on defense where about midseason last year he became the guy. Well, he's carried that over and is playing with so much more confidence. And, Ben, you've raved about his coverage abilities yep. that, you know, even though some of the traits that may have led him to not being selected out of Wisconsin, well, the Eagles have been able to maximize and emphasize his strengths to make him a great fit in this defense. Well, uh, Nick Rouse's players, the linebackers, going to be excited for Tuesday's practice because the Pats come on, guys, for the first time this summer. Uh, that'll be Tuesday. We'll be covering covering that right here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. But also, be sure to go check out Inside Training Camp. It's our practice stream that'll be uh, happening tomorrow, 10 a.m., right when practice is getting started. So make sure you go check that out, uh, PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles social media pages, wherever you get your Eagles content. We'll be live. Myself, Dave Spadaro, uh, Gabrielle DiGiovanni does a great job of hosting that show, but providing some extra content there, but also some analysis of what we're seeing in the first uh, few minutes leading into practice. Make sure you go check that out. Uh, like I said, 10 a.m. Eastern time on Tuesday morning. Guys, we'll be back tomorrow uh, breaking down what we see in that first day of practice. As always, make sure you go check out our practice notes. They'll be live by the time you're listening to the show. Until then, we will uh, see you guys all tomorrow right here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast.